0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. If you think about the ministry of Christ, you'll realize that His love, His service, His compassion, everything that He does for us is really nothing more than an expression of His divine nature. You know, it's not like Christ really has to step outside of His character to do what He did for us, right? A nice little example to think about is if, you know, you see a young man, maybe he's a little shy, and he wants to ask a girl out on a date. He'll have to like really, really work hard to step outside of his character because he's shy, he's timid, and he has to go talk to somebody new. He has to ask a a very difficult question. It's not really in his nature to do that, right? He's not really social, and he's a little shy. So it's hard for him to go to someone new and, and ask them that question. But for Christ, when you see his love, you see his service, you see his compassion, everything that he does... It's an expression of His divine nature. It's who He is, right? His humility and His love and His service is nothing more than an expression of His nature. It's the divine nature of God to love and to serve and to, to even go down to our level, right? And that's why we say God is love, right? That's His nature, that He is love. Right? Now, that has a profound implication for us as human beings as well, because we are created in the image and likeness of God. Right? So we are likewise wired to love. Right? We are likewise wired to serve. Like, to act with humility, to act with compassion, is really nothing more than a reflection of the nature we are created to have, the life that we are intended to live. And so whenever we look at the words of Christ, when he tells his disciples to go out and to serve, he sends them out two by two, and he says... I send you out as lambs among wolves, carry neither money, nor bag, nor sandals, don't take an extra tunic with you, greet no one along the way, and he's telling them to go serve in this way, he's really not telling them to do anything contrary to their nature. He's kind of saying, go do what you're wired to do. Go live the way you're intended to live. Go love and serve because that's your divine DNA. Right? You're created in my image and likeness, You're created to love, and so go do what you're created to do, right? And so when we go out and serve, when we help the poor and the sick, those who are in need, we really don't have to step outside of our nature. What we're doing is actually stepping into our nature. We're doing what we are created to do. What's natural for us to do is to go to the poor, to go to the sick, is to even to satisfy this need that we have. Because we're wired with a need to love, a need to serve, a need to go out to those who are, are, are poor and sick, the needy, right? In, in a sense, we need those who are in need. St. John Kisses says, The rich exist for the sake of the poor. The poor exist for the salvation of the rich. The poor exist for the salvation of the rich. So again, we are in need of those who are in need. Right? We need the poor because we need someone to serve. We need someone to, to help. And not just the poor in the literal sense of those who are homeless, those who have nothing. But our family and our friends, whenever someone is a little down and needs A word of encouragement. Whenever someone is going through a tough time and you give them a word of advice, you give them their time. Whenever a friend of yours is just struggling with a problem at school, whenever he needs a little bit of tutoring for his classes, someone who's in need in those simple practical ways, right? We are in need of those who are in need, right? That's why Christ said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so the reason we're often empty, you know, those times in your life when you feel empty, you feel that there's a void in your life, it's because we're not satisfying that need, right? It's often because we are not stepping into our nature. We're not stepping into this life of service. We're not stepping into this life of love, right? A lot of times, we feel a little empty. We feel like something's missing. And typically, it's because we are not living the life we are intended and created to live. Right? And so, think about whether I'm putting an effort into this, this path. Whether I'm really putting my heart into a life of service. Do I wake up in the morning asking God, Lord, how can I serve you? Please use me today in whatever way that you wish. I'm yours. I'm at your disposal. I want to serve you. I want to love your body. The community of Christ. The world that you created. The world that you redeemed with your blood. I want to serve you. Right? Do I intentionally commit my life to that path? Right? Or am I neglecting it? Or am I just kind of stumbling along the way? with a sense of apathy, with indifference and if I serve, I serve if I don't, I don't, no big deal right? A lot of times we may even come to church and we say okay, I'm going, I'm praying I'm a part of those who are serving but I'm not really active, I'm not taking an initiative I'm not proactive in the way that I serve I'm not going to Abuna Abuna what can I do to help? Like Nothing puts a bigger smile on my face than that when someone comes to me and he says, Abuna, I want to serve. Put me wherever you want. Use me however you want. I say, perfect. That's the model that the disciples lived by. Right? Think about the way that they served. We pray this in the doxology their voice went forth upon the face of the whole earth, and their words have reached the ends of the world. See, the disciples were not indifferent, they had no apathy. Right? They were passionate. They served with fire. Their voices went to the ends of the earth. They didn't just sit around waiting for someone to convince them what to do. Right? They took the initiative on their own. And that's the hallmark of a loving, serving Christian. Right? That's the hallmark. It's not like, oh, this is an exceptional Christian because he's serving. He's going out of his way. He's taking an initiative, look, he's going to clean this, he's going to help there, he's going to do this. And a lot of times we look at that servant and we say, oh, this is the exceptional Christian. No, this is the ordinary Christian doing what he's created to do. Right? And that's a reflection of the life of the disciples. The apostles and the disciples went to the ends of the earth. Think of someone like St. John that went to Asia. Someone like St. Thomas went to India. Peter went to Rome, right? It's not like they sat around, maybe I'll help this person you know, nearby here. No, they went to the ends of the earth. Am I willing to go to the ends of the earth to serve my brother, to serve my neighbor? right? Or am I waiting for someone to twist my arm to do it? Right. Th- that's the most critical question I can ask myself. Where is my initiative? Where is my heart? Is it set on serving God? Because if it is, God will open every door in front of me. If I wake up every morning and I tell God, I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to give you my heart. God will say, here's a door to do that. And here's another door to do that. Here's this opportunity. Here's that opportunity. And He'll provide countless opportunities for me to do that. Because He wants nothing more than to enrich my life, to satisfy me. To give me the joy and the grace that comes with serving Him. Right? He wants nothing more than to give me that joy. When the disciples went out to serve, nothing could get in their way. All the adversities, all the trials, all the tribulations that they faced could not shake their commitment to serve. Several times they were captured, they were tortured, they were imprisoned. And you'll see the same exact theme. In Acts 4.20, Peter and Paul respond to those who capture them, who try to prevent them from preaching. They say, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I can't not speak. I can't not preach. I can't not serve. I can't not share the good news. Right? It's in my nature. It's who I am. It's what I'm created for. Right? It's like Michael Phelps can't not swim, right? Michael Jordan can't not play ball, right? All of these people that are created for a specific lifestyle, like they can't not do what's in their DNA, right? We as Christians, we cannot not speak. We cannot not serve. We cannot not love, right? I remember just in in the few short years that I lived in Egypt as a young child and I mean I came here when I was 8 years old so I, I was really young but I still remember this vividly that all of the servants, all the Sunday school servants would go around from house to house before liturgy in the morning, they would knock on our doors and they would take us one by one and round up the whole crew in the neighborhood to walk us down to church Every morning I would knock on a door, and they say, "Come on, let's go." And like by the end of the route, there would be like a a group of like 10, 15 kids going down to the church with one servant. Right? And you're going on foot, going from house to house. It's not like you're in your nice car in the air-conditioned picking someone up. That's on your way. (laughs) Right? But. I remember the fire that I saw in the servants that were around me in my life. Right? And I always wonder, what, like, what is it about these servants that prompted them to love in this way? Like, where did their commitment and their passion to serve come from? Right? And it's from a reflection of Christ. It's from looking upon the life of Christ and the way that His disciples served, that they also got this fuel to serve as well, right? And there was that fire, there was that passion. There's a beautiful example in the life of Pope John Paul. And one day when he was serving, he woke up in the morning, prayed liturgy, like before the sunrise, and, you know, he doesn't really sleep much, so he... Still wakes up early to pray, and then he goes out to serve throughout all of the poor villages, and he's going to do different services around the neighborhoods, and he's talking to people, and he's giving people different counsels and advice, and people are asking questions, and he's going throughout the heat of the day, and he does this all day long, all day night, until the very end of the night, a reporter comes and asks him, "Are you tired?" You know what he said. He said, I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting response. Because he couldn't even sense his exhaustion because he was so consumed in his service. So often, even when we serve, we pause and like we're so concerned about our own condition. Oh, I need this, I need that. Like, oh, I need a break, I need this, like, and it's fine. Like, there's there's a good balance to have, right? But I really wonder. If the disciples of Christ kept taking breaks, kept stopping to think about their own needs, you know, kept thinking about whether people are treating them fairly or not, they were just serving. They weren't thinking about anything else. At the end of the day, when they're exhausted, they couldn't even realize their exhaustion. And that response like, still like, impacts me until today. I don't know. Are, are we living the same way? So are we always thinking about ourselves even whenever we serve? But that's the life of a Christian. Right? To serve in such a way that I forget myself. I'm not even conscious of like, my, my own needs. Right? Because I'm so concerned about the needs of others. I have to ask myself, what's stopping me from joining the life of the disciples? What's stopping me from taking an initiative to serve? Right? Were the disciples any more special than us? Right? Look at these icons up here. Like, look at them. Some of them were married. Some of them were celibate. Some of them had a pretty bad temper. <laughs> some of them denied Christ. Right? A lot of times we look at these disciples up on the wall, this iconostasis, and we say, oh, these were the gifted ones, the special ones. Well, of course they were special. Of course they were gifted. But they received... A gift no greater than the gift that we receive. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? St. Peter goes out to give a sermon after Pentecost. And how many souls are converted and baptized? 3,000 souls. (laughs) you look at the words that he said in that sermon, there was nothing really special about it. He didn't have a presentation with slides and nothing really impressive. But it was the work of the Spirit, the same Spirit that works in me and you. right? And they lived a very similar life. What's stopping me from joining the disciples and serving in the same way that they served? Again, do I wake up every morning with that desire, Lord, use me to serve you, however you want, whenever you want, in whatever way that you want, on your terms, not my terms. But I just want to serve you. I want to be a tool in your hands. Do I ask God that question? Am I committed to serve in the very same way? Father Matthew, the poor, would always say, the reason that the church is not changing the world, the reason the church is so poor today, is because of my own sins and weaknesses. He always took that personal responsibility for what's lacking in the church. And this is Abuna metal maskeen like a great church father. He said, The reason the church is lacking is because of my own weaknesses and my own sins. But what can I say about myself? Right? A lot of times we enter the church and we see what's wrong with it. We see all of the issues in it. And of course, there are a lot of issues, right? And, and we might criticize, we might say this, we might say, and for good reason, right? But am I taking responsibility for what's lacking in the body of Christ? Right? Am I taking responsibility for the improvements that I want to see? Not just in the church, but in my family, in my community, in my work, in the whole world. Right? So I consider the direction of the world a reflection of my own life. Right? And if I really take that responsibility, then I joined the saints who made it their own obligation to change the world and understood that their position on, in the world is the reason the world it is, is the way that it is. Right? And so again, am I taking that personal responsibility to take an initiative? <laughs> you think about God's grace and how it changes situations, how it changes the world, it often takes no more than a single person. Pope Schneider III would always say, I would rather have one St. Paul than a hundred ordinary servants. One St. Paul. I would rather have one St. Paul in the church than a hundred ordinary servants. And that's because one servant dedicated to God loving and praying and serving in that way is more than enough to not just change the church but to change the whole world. And I'm called to follow in the very same footsteps, right? It's not that I have to step out of my nature to do something different. No, again, I'm stepping into my nature, into what I'm created for. Again, whenever Christ instructed The disciples took a while. He gave them very specific instructions because he knew the temptations that they would face. He knew that the devil will not just let them go and serve. He's not going to sit on his hands and say, Go for it. Go and change the world. Go experience the grace and the joy of service. The devil will do everything possible in his power to prevent you from serving your neighbor. He'll do everything possible in His power to prevent you from loving your neighbor. Why? Because nothing is more powerful than love and service. Nothing destroys His kingdom more than that. So He fights in every possible way to prevent you from doing that. Think about why Christ told His disciples, Greet no one along the way. Like, What's the problem with greeting people? Greet no one along the way. Why? Like, I can't say hi. (laughs) I'm passing by to serve a house down there. Somebody's right here on the street. Like, I can't even say hi. No, don't greet anyone along the way. He didn't say, don't stop and have long conversations. You know, don't stop and go to the theater. That, maybe that's understandable if he said that. Right? But don't greet anyone. Why? Because... That greeting, so much as a greeting is enough to distract you from your objective. You're on a mission. You're on a mission to love and to serve. You have no business stopping every minute to say hi, to say hello, and one hello after the next by the end of the day. You've totally wasted your time. At the end of the day, you have nothing left to give. Right? You'll face trials. You'll face tribulations. You're sent out as lambs among wolves. Right, God makes it very clear. Right? Don't be surprised that you're getting tossed in the fire. Right? I send you out as lambs among wolves. In Sirach 2, verse 1, he says, My son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptations. If you're going to serve God, if you're going to take a step towards service, prepare to get rocked. <laughs> prepare to get devoured. Prepare for trials, for tribulations, and for temptations, right? And it boggles my mind when people go to serve God and all of a sudden, they're shocked by the trials that come their way. Abuna, I started doing the service and all of a sudden, it's a mess. All of a sudden, there are problems. All of a sudden, it's like, great, you're doing it right. You're on the path of, like, you're following in the footsteps of Christ. You're following in the footsteps of the apostles. Right? So prepare yourself for temptations whenever you embark on this path. Right? And if you prepare yourself to serve God, if you prepare yourself to serve with your whole heart, you'll taste the sweetness of service. Right? And that's what sets the spark. If you taste the sweetness of service, you'll meet Christ face to face. If you really want to go out and serve and your heart is set on service, you'll meet him face-to- face the very same way the same Peshoi met Christ face to face. I promise you, you don't have to be a monk out in the desert to see Christ face to face. All you have to do is go out to serve with that heart.? Right? And, and you don't have to go far. You don't have to go to India like Thomas, like here. In the valley, at Christ the Savior, at your work, in your family, at your house, right? In uh, the community around you, among your relatives, right? That's where you'll meet Christ face to face. Remember a month ago when we went on this service trip, we all experienced the very same joy that the disciples expressed at the end of this passage. Right? Remember, they come back and they're celebrating, right? The demons are subject to us in your name. They're they're all celebrating. It's almost like they won the championship and they're coming back fist pumping. and Like, yeah, we did it, right? And Christ tells them, yeah, sure, that's good. I'm sure you had fun. But there's something even greater than that, that your names are written in heaven, right? There's such a sweetness in service that what Christ is telling us about is we're not even tasting the fullness of it. Like, what we have is a fraction of the joy that awaits us. Right? But I remember a month ago, whenever we went out and served, we tasted a fraction of this sweetness. And I remember on the last day of the trip, it was a Saturday because um, we came back Saturday night. I remember, it was a nice flight coming back to liturgy. We had a red eye, and it was a fun little experience. <laughs> but Saturday was the last day of the trip. And I remember a moment that truly changed my life. Like one of the most magical moments in the entire trip was that Saturday service. Right? But before I explain to you what happened in this service, just backtrack a little bit. A couple of days earlier, I remember throughout the whole service, We dedicated time and effort and energy to serve. We were praying liturgy every single day. We were sleeping for no more than like four or five hours. Like our whole heart was set on serving God, right? And so we really experienced the joy of service every day. We went out, we served, we saw different people, we had different experiences, we were in different situations. It was beautiful, right? And then on Thursday... We did a really cool service when we went out to the homeless encampments. And like, because we had so much fun, I said, you know what? Let's do this service again in the last day of the, the trip on Saturday because we have a little bit of time throughout the day. Okay? And so as soon as I said that, <laughs> the devil had a field day. Right? He had a lot of fun with this because he started planting these seeds, these thoughts of... Frustrations, you know, our last day is supposed to be fun because we've been serving the whole day, and like it started causing a little commotion, and and I, I sense it was just the devil trying to work and tr- trying to irritate everyone around. And so I looked over to John because you know we're serving together. Like this is perfect. I know I know we're heading in the right direction. The devil is really trying to stop us from accomplishing our goal, so. We, we we talked to them for a little bit and explained to them, you know, the the whole objective behind service and all of that. And after a long talk, you know, the next morning the group comes back to us and is like, you know, I don't know what we were talking about yesterday. Like I think it was really the devil just trying to mess with us. We really want to do this service on Saturday. Right? And I remember that whenever we went back to the homeless encampment. As soon as I walked into this, this area, there's a couple of little kids playing basketball, and they saw me. And a little kid from a mile away, I remember his name's RJ, little kid, maybe like eight, nine years old, from a mile away, he sees me, and he's like, Pastor, pastor! And he runs full speed. Right? and he jumps like five feet in the air and he like tackles me and he gives me this big hug and he squeezes me so hard like I'm almost suffocating and like I'm telling you I almost just broke down in tears because at that moment I felt like the most significant man in the world like, at that moment I realized that I meant the world to this little kid why? just because Three days earlier, I spent 10 minutes with him playing basketball. Three days earlier, I went down to his level and just spoke to him. And because I gave him a little bit of time, because I had a little bit of fun with him, he saw me and ran to me like I was the savior of the world. He thought that I changed his life. But what he doesn't know... That he changed my life in ways he can't even imagine. Right? I remember after this this service, went back to the group and we reflected on our whole week and I asked them, What was your favorite part of the whole trip? Every single person said, This last service. And it was the last service that the devil was trying to prevent us to do. It was the last service that faced the, the biggest confrontation. Right? It faced the biggest obstacle. Remember, you will meet Christ in the places you are tempted to avoid. Like you will meet Christ, you will experience joy in the places that are most uncomfortable. Right? And that's why Christ is preparing us for that. He said, go out into the areas that feel uncomfortable. Go out into the areas that don't make sense. Go out into the darkness and just serve. Give your time, give your effort, give your energy. And I promise you, you will come back rejoicing like the disciples. Unto God is due our glory forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.